Welcome back. FF Dynasty 260 proudly presents episode 20 of the Redraft Podcast. This week, we're looking at some of the 2018 NFL rookies and taking a look into their value for next season. As always, I am the at-home dad taking over for Pat because he is out sick. It is that time of year. We hope you get well soon, Pat, partly because we can't do this without you, at least not for very long. Uh, you make us do so much extra work when you're not here. Uh, and with that being said, let's pass it over to Mike. Let them know where, where they can find you. Yes, Pat, please get well soon. So I'm not doing all the prep work. You guys can find me on Twitter at Mike sports 22. Uh, looking forward to a great AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, John, why don't you tell the good people at home where they can find you? Yeah, I'm glad you guys do all the prep work so I don't have to do anything except be here and talk. So this is great. Uh, I'm John McGlynn at Meathead underscore 75. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being part of FF Dynasty 260. And we have a guest tonight. We certainly do. We have a special guest on. We're planning on doing a few of these throughout the offseason. Uh, welcoming in a fellow writer over at FF uh, D260, our boy Mason. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Build the Dynasty. Mason, go ahead and say hi to the people for us. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, I can add something something of value to the podcast. Uh, don't worry. We, uh, it's, already it's, did. it's a question if any of us do that. <laughs> yeah, we're not professionals by any means. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I said, and when Pat's away, the kids play. So by all means, yeah, this is going to be great <laughs> if people haven't turned it off already. No, just kidding. Like, no, no, no. All right, jumping into news. A uh, few pieces of news coming out this week. Uh, the one follow-up from last week, we have uh, the um, owner of the Steelers, Rooney, is saying that he'd be surprised if Antonio Brown is on the team next year, uh, which kind of puts a hole in my argument last last week when I was saying I really don't expect him to be traded. This kind of makes me question that. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I, honestly, I think I flipped. I'm not, I don't want to say flipped, but I think I've kind of pulled back. I think there's a fair chance they make up bury the hatch and try and get it going for next year. They're not going to get equal value back for AB. And this isn't a team that's just going to say, okay, well, let's just blow it up and start over. Big Ben's at the end of his prime. You're not going to tell him, sorry, dude, we're going to you know, restart and trade AB and not get you anything else. So I say it's probably 60-40 AB is gone, but I would not be the least bit surprised if we come to March and AB comes out and they all make good and they give him a contract extension, some extra money his way to smooth things over. And they go into 2019 and try and contend for another Super Bowl. Yeah, it, I think he just wants a little more money. That, that always solves a lot of teams' problems, a lot of players' problems anyway. Um, but uh, once you, once these guys start acting up, which AD's been doing the last couple last couple weeks, if not a year and a half, uh, it, it's sometimes the writing's on the wall that you've got to you know, cut bait on some of these guys. I don't think you can get a fair trade value for an Antonio Brown. It's almost impossible, but, you know, it's – Either he's got to go or else, you know, you got to get rid of the head coach. Tomlin's got to go. He's He has no control over the locker room. And I don't know how many good players Pittsburgh has to lose before they finally find a new head coach. That's what I think. All right, yeah. A.B. is not going anywhere. Time heals everything. And the last thing A.B. wants to do is go down to San Francisco, look back at Pittsburgh, 
and see Juju just tearing through the league. Yeah, that's what the Steelers would be fools to trade AB with Big Ben riding off into the sunset. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said about AB's ego here. Um, and definitely, definitely looking at Juju climbing, climbing and climbing, climbing and seeing him becoming more and more of a superstar. And, you know, AB's not the fresh young thing anymore. So it, I, I really am kind of getting in a spot where I'm torn, um, but I still think AB is probably not going anywhere. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of keep it moving then. Um, Real uh, quick, one thing: Did you guys uh, see the uh, Ryan Clark uh, interview? It was a couple weeks ago on Sports Center talking about AB when his whole his whole attitude kind of changed initially when they gave him the first contract. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, check it up on YouTube. Uh, talk about AB's ego. I mean, before he even got his first big contract, he was already proclaiming himself the savior of the franchise. So, yeah, they either got to dial that again to dial that back or he's got to go because that's just poisonous for a locker room yeah i mean if that was like one of his first interviews it's probably not much dialing back you can do at this point when he's been you know just tearing up the league uh i think this year confirms what is it six years now that he's been a top five fantasy wide receiver yeah yeah yeah, he's, yeah. it's pretty good Oh, talent on the field is never in question. It's just you got to reel it in, A.B. You got to reel it in. Um, all right. Uh, moving down, a little bit of speculative news um, coming out of Carolina. Uh, we all knew Cam Newton was playing hurt. Uh, he had to take some time off because of his shoulder. Um, and now uh, ESPN is saying that Cam could miss all of 2019 with another soldier. Uh, soldier. Wow, can't do it today shoulder surgery um uh yeah i don't i I don't believe this i kind of feel like they're trying to get like a an andrew luck type of storyline here yeah it's a guy Um, named david david newton he's espn panthers reporter uh he speculates cam newton could set out the entire 2019 season if he undergoes another shoulder operation that's the the full extent of it there so they're uh they're saying if he decides to go into the knife it could be a, a season ending uh situation yeah, to me, this looks like just a story trying to get clicks. Nothing serious here. It would be very bad for all my teams to see Cam go down. So, personally, really hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It would be catastrophic for the franchise if he had to do that. And then you're wondering, what's Cam's long-term outlook? Is he ever going to be healthy enough to be one of the elite quarterbacks again? Is his career going to get cut short? Um, I tend to believe you guys this is more noise than fact, but with the owner coming out and saying they are aware of the situation and have all options on the table, it's not a good look when the owner has to come out and issue a statement about something that's not even happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. That means he wouldn't be back till his year 31 season. So that's uh With two years back-to-back with a shoulder issue is not a good thing. Yeah. And who's to say he comes back 100% after that? be but again, like we said, speculation. So it is what it is. We'll find out when it happens. And and maybe he comes back like Andrew Luck, and you know, is <laughs> is amazing. Is he going to learn how to be accurate while he's underneath the knife, Seth, or is he just gonna, you know? Hey, was, hey, who that was knows? funny. Maybe throwing a Nerf football, going all the way back to playground level, is will, will help Cam out. We don't yeah, know that. Great. Yeah, and there's magic bean stocks in my backyard. Okay. <laughs> this, is, well, this isn't a comedy show. 
Yeah, sometimes. Uh, move, <laughs> moving from one uh, piece of clickbait to another clickbait, uh, Kyler Murray is entering the 2019 draft. Um, but this really could just be a ploy to try and get more money out of the A's. Um, so real quick, is Kyler Murray going to play football in 2019 or is he going to play baseball? Let's go around the room. What do you guys think? All right. Now this story is really interesting. I mean, Kyler Murray, if I were him, why why are you not going to play baseball? Just take the money, save your body. But at the same time, he was there at Oklahoma on the field in front of a hundred thousand people could have fell in love with the game and now wants to be in the NFL. I say NFL because he can make more money on the first contract, but I think ultimately in the end, he's going to end up playing baseball. I don't think that whatever he is, you want to call him five, nine, five, 10, hell make him six, one. I'm more concerned about the 190 pound frame. He's not going to withstand those big 300 pound defense alignment hits in the long run. And I think eventually he'll do the opposite of Brandon Whedon. He'll play football briefly and then go play baseball. Yeah. John, what's your take? NFL or MLB? I think he wants to play NFL. That's his real passion. Um, the only – they're just trying to see if they can get that. I, I think what happens is his rookie – well, his rookie contract is all guaranteed. It's somewhere in the 14 or $15 million mark from where they predict him to get drafted at. Yeah. So they're just trying to – strong on Major League Baseball and to giving him a 14 or $16 million contract right from the get-go. So no matter what, he's going to have the money. It's, 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 his, uh, it's all about his agent, uh, Drew Rosenhaus. That's, uh, it's a money game for him. They're just trying to see, do the best they can uh, to see what baseball can come up with. And if they, if they balk on the baseball contract, then uh, he'll just go right to the NFL without, without worrying about it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the last two kind of pieces of news are definitely more noise than news because um, even if Kyler Murray does get into the NFL, I really don't see him being, you know, just a franchise maker um, or really a fantasy kind of stud. Uh, it, it Again, that, that 190 frame is just, just frightening. So. Yep. He'd be a great fantasy player for the four games until he gets hurt because all that rushing ability and whatnot. He can play. The problem is the weight. Yeah. All right. Uh, you guys ready to move on to uh, some coaching news real quick? Sure. We all love coaches. All right. So we're, we're going to make we'll, – we'll try and run through this a little bit quicker. Um, and I want literally one, one sentence. One sentence from everybody. Uh, it's a good hire because, or it's a bad hire because. Can we can we do that? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Freddie Kitchens, Browns head coach. Uh, good hire because it means Nick Chubb will continue to live on as a fantasy god for us. I like that. Good hire because he is just he knows the system. He knows the players. Uh, good running back coach. Good. I, I, that's it. <laughs> You're starting to make a run on sentence anyways. You're cut off. Yeah. And what do you got? A good hire because you can allow Baker to keep on growing. Yeah. And I'm going good hire also because the Browns actually won games with him as head coach. So let's make that keep kind of happening. And plus, it's just really fun to root for the Browns when it's like, <laughs> it's well, him at, him at OC. Greg Williams got the boot because of the head coach. But we get your point. Yeah. Uh, Adam Gates. Try not to think of the try not to think of the video of crazy eyes. 
Uh, Adam Gates, Jets head coach. I'm going to say good hire with the caveat being we got to see a big step from Darnold next year. If Darnold doesn't improve, then bad hire. I say good hire because, yeah, the Dolphins going in the right direction, even with no talent on it on that roster. Um, it was, I, I think, with a young young quarterback and a decent team, especially if they land a Le'Veon Bell next year or, or some big pieces. Uh, I think Adam Gase, uh, being an offensive-minded coach, uh, could do wonders with a young Jets team, especially molding them for the future next couple of years. I think, I, I think this is a safe hire. Not much upside, but, I mean, they've seen what Adam Gase has done on multiple teams. So it's a safe hire. It's nothing like Clingsbury down in Arizona. Uh, I'm actually going to go bad hire here. Uh, and I think part of it is the New York City, living in New York City, knowing what the media does to coaches and players, the way everything goes. Uh, I don't think Adam Gase and his reputation of more or less being a uh, a wrecked male genitalia. Um, yeah, like I don't think that's going to work out for him here in New York. And did you like that? Like the way I cleaned that up for for the family show, guys? That was pretty nice, right? Bravo. <laughs> uh, Vic Fangio, Broncos head coach. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say bad hire because I really think that team needs some kind of offensive mind to get that offense jump started, especially if you're going to draft a young quarterback. Um, I like Vangio. I just don't know if that's the right fit for Denver. Yeah, this is uh, Vic Vangio had his dream spot in Chicago, coaching a great defense, not having to worry about a whole team, all the rest, all the rest of the intangibles that come with, that come with being a head coach. Um, I don't think that defensive coordinators uh, like Fangio are going to put a staff together to make that a, a successful team, especially with what's on the roster right now. They got a bunch of young receivers. Um, they don't have a quarterback. Uh, the running back situation is kind of, you know, a bunch of guys jumbled together and a small running back. Uh, they have a good, decent defense, um, aging defense, but a good defense. Uh, but uh, I I don't think it's a good hire for – I don't think it's a good place for Fangio. Yeah, this is a bad hire. I can't see how you can hire a defensive coordinator in 2019 be your head coach. Uh, I'm going with a uh, bad hire here also. Uh more so because the Broncos defense is like they're waning and yeah, it would be great for them to come back and be great, but they really need to start thinking about offense. Um, and case Keenum is not the answer. Uh, Zach Taylor Bengals. To be determined, but I like the approach. This is Cincinnati's taken the old set of the defensive coordinator, Marvin Lewis kicking him to the curb and saying, we're going to bring in some young hot shot. And if it goes wrong, well, at least it'll be exciting as opposed to the same old boring crap. Yeah. Young, there's a lot of talent in the Bengals. There's a lot to work with. Uh, um, minus uh, make sure it's offensive line, but um, I, somebody with an offensive mind can make things happen over there. Yeah. I like this hire. The Bengals are showing that they're not scared with this hire. Yeah, uh, good hire because it's not Marvin Lewis. Or Hugh Jackson. <laughs> that, that's, 
that that's my one my one sentence. So you rather um, have you instead? <laughs> honestly, uh, no, probably not, probably not. But I would say good hire because it's not Marvin Lewis. <laughs> at, at this point, it's literally anyone but Marvin Lewis. Because I would at least go in there and be like, "Oh, you're a rookie. You know what? Maybe I'll play you some." Whereas like Marvin Lewis would be like, oh, "You're a rookie, no sir. You sit." Yeah, you earn, you earn your stripes. No Jeremy or no Joe Mixon for Jeremy Hill's bum. Yeah, uh, that was. See, you you baited me into more than one sentence. We were doing so good, ish. All right, my bad. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach. I, I want to. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask that John take this one last. I want to. I want to hear what your thoughts are last about our boy Brian, uh, Brian Flores. All right. I'll say bad hire because I think this job was a bad hire for anybody and anybody. Miami has come out and said they're looking at quarterbacks in 2020. This year's going to be a down year. They're going to finally tear down and rebuild. And honestly, I I wouldn't want to have this job if you paid me million, you know, 10 million bucks a year because it's just not going to end well. And Flores may be a very good coach, but this is like taking the Cleveland Browns job a few years back and just like this is not going to end well no matter who it is. Yeah, I'm going to say this is a bad hire. I mean, how many guys have we seen leave New England and just have very little success elsewhere? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with I, – I don't know hire because it's the linebackers coach. You usually don't see a jump from linebackers coach to head coach, which makes me feel like the Dolphins are kind of packeted in for 2019. Well, he's their, basically de facto defensive coordinator. He calls the plays, but, you know. Yeah, I'm with Mason. I just don't like anybody coming out of New England. Yeah. I can yeah, New England does a pretty good job of, uh, you know, hiring from within and building coaches from the ground up. Uh, and this guy's learned a lot for defense. But, again, we're talking about how defensive coaches are not in the, the wave of NFL coaching now. And uh, this guy was a defensive coordinator, but the Dolphins already said they're punting. They, they made it publicly clear to get rid of salary cap. They're going They're aiming towards 2020 draft. So, I'm. Uh, I'm not. He's just a stopgap for. He's just a fill-in for right now. Of these new head coaches, do we agree he's the one who's most likely to get the axe after one season? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Broncos head coach could because I think the expectations will be higher down in Denver. If he, if he, if John Elway axed Benji after one year after that mistake of Bench Joseph, he needs to go. There's no way Fangio's getting axed after one year with that defense. Even even with a bad offense, he can make it work. Yeah, I I I get the point of the the higher expectation for the Broncos, but I, they at least have some people down that like down yeah. in, down in Denver that can that can play. Whereas Miami, it's just uh, really a crapshoot. But may, maybe Adam Gase like. Like I said, with why I don't like him going to New York, maybe he really did have such issues with star players that he was purposefully holding certain players out. Because anybody watching the game was like, Kenyon Drake should be running the ball. Devontae Adams, uh, not Devontae Adams. Wow, that's a real stretch. My bad. Uh, Devontae Parker should, like, he, like, they invested a lot in him. He should be doing something. Once he- uh, but once he cut it, once he cut a Jai, I think he kind of lost locker room there. They all kind of revolted against him, like he was trying to set a precedence, and it didn't really work out for him. And he was kind of a, uh, he just kind of laughed at him after that. So he really didn't have a chance here. 
didn't have a team. Quarterback was gone half the year, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, any, any any last thoughts on head coaches? Are we ready to jump into the the heart of the episode, which is this 2018 rookie class, and really thinking about what their value is in 2019? Let's move on. Let's get it. All right. So we're gonna hit running backs first. Um, dive into uh, kind of the main the main guys um, in each of the different positions. Uh, so there may be some guys that we overlook, and that's partly because we really don't think there's much that you're going to be looking for um, out of them. So these are trying to hit the guys that are the top kind of question marks of are they going to have increased value next year, decreased value, are they going to maintain um, and and kind of going from there. So without further ado, we're going to go running backs first. And I, I think this is the give, <laughs> the, the gimme of all gimmies, Mr. Barkley himself. Uh, what what do you guys think about Saquon in 2019? I think the only thing that we have to decide is, is he 101 or is he 102? Because it's him and Gurley. It's a two-man race. And I don't think... There's anybody else that you can honestly say could contend for. I mean, if you're in a super flex with six-point passing touchdowns, maybe you could argue Mahomes, but it's really going to be Barkley and Gurley. And honestly, I usually don't do this kind of thing. I usually want to see two years. I have a player before I declare them the 101. But the way Gurley's kind of run down and Anderson's played well, the Rams probably are going to bring him back and lighting Gurley's low next year. So I'd probably take Barkley at 101. He's a generational prospect who turned into a generational rookie who will be a generational player. That's how I feel Oh, I see it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. So Barkley, yeah, Barkley's easily uh, already the most talented running back in the league. Very hard to argue otherwise. I mean, but if I'm going 2019, I think you have to look down in L.A. because that situation is just so much better. It's hard to see New York getting close to that anytime soon. Yeah, I'm I'm split here. Uh because, again, living in New York, I am forced to watch a lot of New York Giants games uh, whenever I'm out, uh, which I try and be a lot for Sundays. And, yeah, um, the Giants aren't getting better in 2019. So, and granted, Saquon Barkley, there was a lot of que- – I, I had a lot of questions about Saquon Barkley and this really, really bad Giants team. Um, and he proved me wrong. So uh, I, I, I'm not doubting him like I did last year, but doubting him at do I take him at one or do I take him at two? And in most leagues, that's probably not going to be much of a question because I probably won't have the first or second pick. Um, but if I did, I think I would probably go girly top um, tops because that Rams offense – just the fact that they have the receivers they have to open up a defense and the fact that they run three wide almost all the time and give uh, Gurley the least number of stacked boxes seen by any running back. That That's even like third down running backs that play against only like pretty much only nickel coverage. Uh, Gurley sees like the least amount of stacked boxes. So I think I still lean a little bit girly, but Barkley is, you know, he's he's right right there at number two, and you know McCaffrey's right there at number three for me. So, so I'll give them interchangeable. 
So do you think there's anybody else in contention for 101 and 102 besides Barkley and uh, Gurley, or is there an argument for Zeke or McCaffrey or a receiver? I I think the only argument would be for McCaffrey uh, simply because uh, McCaffrey has 107 receptions, so he had 16 more than Barkley. Um but in terms of like you'll you'll get some people that will convince themselves to go McCaffrey. You'll get some people that convince themselves to go Gurley. You'll get some people that convince themselves to go Barkley. And it's going to be very similar to what it was this past year, where you had your top four guys that were you know Gurley, Zeke, um, wow, drawing a blank, DJ. Bell, uh, those were like the top four that people were just like interchanging because of whoever they were convincing themselves to pick. So I think this year you really have like those top three guys of Gurley, McCaffrey, Barkley, that those will be the first three guys off of just about every single draft board. Um, unless you play in like a Uber Homer league where somebody's like, I'm from New Orleans, I'm picking Alvin Kamara number one. Boom, done, did it. Like that that's the only way I see those three people not being top off the list. Yeah, I can see Zeke fighting from a cafe if had third spot. But for me it's Barkley and is a Gord or Gurley one one and one and one oh two. And then you can throw McCaffrey and Zeke and then after that we got so many great running backs, it's gonna be a yeah. running back heavy. Depends on, depends on who the quarterback is in Carolina next year too. That's gonna be big. Right. I mean, Cam Newton could be out for all the 2019 speculative. Right. All right. Uh, any anything else about Saquon? I mean, for the most part, it's really like he's he's he, really he, really he good. looks phenomenal. Already, he was a rookie and he was the best running back in the league. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so we're gonna hit two at once here. We're gonna go uh, back to Denver, which we were just talking about, and Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. What are you guys thinking? I'm not drafting either next year, as of right now. I, I think Lindsay's was a nice story, and I think he's got talent, but I think he wore down as the year went on. That wrist injury didn't seem like it was a big deal when it happened live, and then three months of rehab after the surgery, they got Freeman. They're not just going to say, well, this was nice, and just throw him to the back burner. I think we're going to see a running back by committee out of these two next year in Denver, which is not a bad thing. You can still get good value out of these two, given the fact that the Broncos are probably going to be a run-heavy team again next year with either Keenum or Rookie under center. I just, I've been seeing Lindsey in terms of, you know, is he a top 36 pick? And I'm losing my mind. Like, I'm not taking the top 60. Yeah. Phil Lindsay's too small. I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, 5'8", 190. And, uh, you know, that's that's him bulking up too. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of either one of these guys. They're both, they're all going to have their roles on the team. I'm staying away from all of them. I'm staying away from the, both of them. Yeah, so there's no way I'd touch the lens anywhere his price is going to be. He's going to be going in round three, run round four. People are going to be expecting the same thing they saw from this year. But I think you have to consider Freeman depending on where he's going because I really think that this backfield is going to be extremely close to 50-50 between those two guys. Mason, I'm glad you brought – I'm glad we brought you on because you're basically on the same side that I'm at. So you can help we all know, defend good points against some of some of these other guys we got here. Uh, 
I take that I mean, personal I, 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 we're on we're on the same page of kind of being down on Lindsay. I'm down on him because of the fact that he's an undrafted free agent, which just historically just does not play out well, especially at the running back position. Uh, recent history is uh, Arian Foster and Priest Holmes. Yeah, and that's that, that's not Philip Lindsay. And that's more the exception than the role we've seen out for Morris. We've seen numerous undrafted running backs have a great rookie year and then tail off the next year. Yeah, flash yep. in the pants, yeah. Yep. I mean, Alex Collins did it Did it this past year. I, I picked up Alex Collins, and, and, and I'm, I'm a prime example of what people are going to do. And Alex Collins last year helped me win a championship. So this year, when it was like, Ah, I could go Alex Collins, my boy from from 2017. I could have him in 2018 again. He could help me win that chip again. Or I could go this other running back who uh, I got no emotional connection to. I picked Alex Collins and spent the year going, damn it. Why do I have Alex Collins? Why did I spend, you know, a fifth round? Like people were spending fourth round picks or higher on Alex Collins. And I think people are going to do that with Philip Lindsay. And I mean, I fell in love with him this entire year, uh, watching his film, watching the way he runs, watching the way he gets basically shot out of a cannon coming out of the, you know, I form. And that's great. But the problem is at 190 pounds, his body's going to break down, which it did at the end of the season. Um, The kid has a lot of fight in him. He showed that in, what was it, week two or three where he was, like, punching a dude and got suspended for a game. But uh, I don't think that's that, that's not going to help him help him out in, you know, 2019 or moving forward. Um, and I think Royce Freeman, I, I agree completely with Mason, depending on where he is going in drafts, because people are going to love Lindsey so much, he might be a steal late somewhere that he might end up kind of taking over because people are like, Royce Freeman, Royce Freeman, he's going to be a great, especially in Dynasty, a great pick. And, uh, yeah, he did nothing. So he might be a real, real safe steal for people to pick up there. Yeah, I, I agree. Depending on where his uh, ADP is looking at next year, he could be a really good middle-to-late round kind of steal with everybody jumping on the Lindsay hype. Yeah, Lindsay's yeah. about the end, end of the fourth round is kind of – He's going around there. Yeah. yeah, even when you're taking Royce Freeman that late, you you have that upside of what happens if Lindsey gets hurt. I mean, already they're going to be split in the backfield. I think, personally, 50-50. So he'll already hit his ADP based on that with more upside. Yeah. Um, all right, let's jump down to one of my favorite Twitter follows, uh, Darius Geis. Yeah. <laughs> his, his Twitter's amazing. He was like calling people out on Fortnite uh, last <laughs> night. So last night or the night before. So uh, definitely follow him. But uh, what do you guys think in terms of fantasy football 2019? Do we actually get to watch guys in some real fantasy relevant games? I'll tell yes. you. How, I'll tell you how much I am crazy for him. I would trade 19 101 and another mid to late 19 first round rookie pick form right now. Go on, go on. Yeah. 
Dynasty terms, trying to throw throw that out there. Okay, I'm just trying to give an estimation of how much I really am looking forward to watching this guy play. You're right; his Twitter feed is awesome. He's a great dude. All this nonsense for the draft about character issues, Mm. a bunch of dumbasses don't know what they're talking about. Um, As a Redskins fan, it makes it even more enjoyable for me to watch. And I think this is a guy who's going to probably be a fourth, fifth round pick next year that I'm going to reach and take in the third because I think he is a safe. High end RB two, low end RB one kind of guy next year. If AP and everything he did this year at thirty three years old behind an offensive line full of injuries can still drop a thousand yards and seven touchdowns, what's this kid gonna do? Good, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying too. And then there was a lot of, oh, this guy he had an infection, his knees out, he's gonna be out, he might not be back for a regular season because uh, he's been on antibiotics for three months and he's so set back. And then he puts out a video on Twitter today, him running up and down and you know doing sideways backwards, forwards, sprints, <clears throat> up-downs with his knees. He's already rehabbing like a madman. So I'm, I'm so excited to get him to, for to start next season off with Darius, guys. Yeah, so what I'm really excited to see what he can do. I personally think he's a very talented running back, probably top four in the 2018 class. The only issue with that is um, I'm really worried about what that Washington offense is going to be. I mean, they could be missing Alex Smith all 2019, most likely are. And that contract is just crippling that team. I don't know how much help they're going to be able to put around guys, what QB they're going to have. I think it's going to be rough. Yeah, I just wrote a 2,500-word article about the Redskins and all their failures and Alex Smith and everything else. I, I agree with what you're saying, Mason. I'm just – if they don't have a quarterback, that just means they're going to have to run the ball even more so. So he may only get three points on the yards of carry, but if he's getting 25 touches a game and this guy can make things out of the – man, can catch things out of the backfield. He's not just a pure you know, power runner. I think he's going to get enough volume. He's going to make up for the lack of efficiency per snap. Is Josh, is Josh Johnson going to start there next year? I don't think so. I think he's on the contract with the AFL, and they're not going to let him go back again. With him because that doesn't start up. That starts up this month. Does it? Or no, it starts up February. So what about Chris Thompson? Where's he going to be? Probably on the injury report, like he is every week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a lot of everybody was looking great. Everybody's looking real high on Chris Thompson this year, and it, he just he's not a one of the, he just cannot stay healthy ever, ever. He had a good seven, eight game stretch in 2017. And then, oh, we all jumped on it and said, okay, this is going to be a full-time thing, especially after the guys went down and he can't stay healthy. They, they got to limit his workload to nine touches a game and just, you know, third down situations, get him out. Use him as a 60% version of James White, basically, because the more they put on him, the more it's going to falter. Uh, I just want to throw one more piece in there and I think we're ready to move on, but, uh, Working behind Adrian Peterson and just watching a, you know, essentially an immortal running back in his what? How Adrian Peterson's what? Like ninety-five, something like that, in running back years. Uh, pick up two hundred and fifty carries for a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. He's going to get better just by watching a professional in front of him be a professional and be the guy that's like, no, this is how you play into your 30s. Like, yes, we're all gifted athletes, and AP is a gifted among gifted athletes. But if Darius Geis is anything close to that, he's watching AP do what he needs to do and watching how to be a professional and how to be amazing. So that that right there is one of the things that I'm kind of excited to see. This might actually boost the longevity of Geis' career if he, you know, can stay healthy, 
And if you really learn from AP, um, and like John said, I watched some of those videos also of him rehabbing. He he looks like he's rehabbing like a madman and is coming back so determined. So I, I'm I'm all aboard for Geis, uh, depending on where other people are all aboard for him, because people like John will probably take him before I will. But uh, yeah, that's my my two cents on Geis. And, and thinking of sense, let's go to a penny. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, come on. Rashad Penny, what do you guys think? Well, I'll give you my two cents on Penny. Um, That was uh, the pun I just did. Come on. It was still just as bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, this is kind of like Freeman and Lindsay for me. I'm not touching it because I think it's going to be a two-way show with him and Chris Carson. And hell, Mike Davis might be back and it'd be a three-way show again. I just... I don't trust Seattle running backs worth a damn. I don't want anything to do with it. I wasn't crazy on Penny coming into the draft last year. So, no bueno for me. I'm out. Uh, I I like him, but I just – there's too much in the backfield there. It's just not going to – there's not an opportunity for anybody. It's everybody's going to be sharing the ball. Sharing, taking a load. Yeah, he's expensive Royce Freeman to me. I mean, 2019, projections are looking rough. Yeah, uh, it's kind of sad that we're all pretty much on the same page so far for running backs because I feel the same way. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping Seattle brings back Christian. Um, what's his name? Chris uh, Carson? No, Christine Michael. Oh, no. Jesus. I mean, why not? Let's throw another running back back there, right? Sure, Come and on. Thomas Reynolds as well. And, hell, Sean Alexander might be still in shape. Let's try him out as well. I, honestly, the way the way Seattle kind of looked like they were finishing out the year where they're like, no, we're going to run the ball. And they just let everybody know it, and then they still just did it. Uh, yeah, they, they might do that. Um, all right, moving down to sunny Florida. Ronald Jones, a lot of hype coming out of Tampa. Uh, is Ronald Jones going to actually – you know, have a year this year because of the offensive mastermind, Bruce Arians. I have been on this train since the word go. Um, if Tampa does not bring in a Le'Veon Bell, a Tevin Coleman, somebody who would supersede him as the starter, um, he has the first crack at being the starter. I think Peyton Barber is a nice side story, but he wasn't effective this year, minus a few really good matchups. And with Bruce Aarons coming in, they're going to better use the running game, better use him. And we've seen repeatedly Joe Mixon had a crappy rookie year, bounced back to a top-10 finish this year. Melvin Gordon didn't score touchdowns as a rookie, has three straight years with double-digit scrimmage touchdowns. Now, I don't think Jones is going to elevate to that kind of level. But for a guy who was the bust of the year this past season, I think depending on how crazy the hype gets, you're going to get him in the seventh or eighth round, and I think you're going to get a really good low on RB2 in that spot. He looked bad this year, man. He looked, Every opportunity he got, he couldn't block, couldn't catch. He couldn't do anything. So either he was just not unprepared or afraid or something, but he was every time he got out there, he embarrassed himself. So I hope that he, a rookie year experience, uh, a good training camp, I hope he can make something. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing him. Not, I don't have him in any leagues anywhere, but I don't want to see anybody fail like that. Just, uh, you know, and under rookie year and get without without really a real opportunity. So I'm looking forward to him doing something, but I don't have him anywhere. 
I'm surprised to hear this from you. I was about to stand up here. Thought I'd be the only person excited for Ronald Jones 2019, but it looks like y'all are as well. I mean, the historical hit rates of top 40 picks are very high for running back. I mean, very rarely will you see one of them not pan out compared to other positions. And I mean, yeah, he was bad last year. He was very bad. But at the same time, when he was drafted, he was 20 years old. He couldn't even buy alcohol. I mean, I think you got to ride off year one for him and just hope that the future's bright. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, for me, in terms of redraft, I'm going, uh, I'd rather pass on Ronald Jones this year, uh, depending on what his, what his draft cost is, uh, and let somebody else run that gamble. And if he comes back in 2020, uh, you know, if he shows up in 2019 and is amazing in 2020, we're talking completely different and we're saying, yeah, Ronald Jones, we, we gave him that pass year one and now, now he would see he's good in 2019. Uh, I'd rather not take that risk. Um, especially seeing usually what happens when rookies miss kind of a lot of time, either because they, 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 get on the field and just like one really, really bad or two, they, they can't get on the field because of injury. It usually doesn't turn out uh, very well for them. So uh, I'd rather wait on Ronald Jones than uh, scoop him up too early in, in 2019. Uh, in terms of, in terms of dynasty, I might, you know, move a little bit more for him, but uh, I'm not, not, not too excited in redraft wise. No, you're exactly. If on my on a dynasty, I might trade some because his value is so low. But I wouldn't waste a draft spot. Yeah. <clears throat> Two things. Yes, I agree with you, Seth. Don't draft Ronald Jones with the expectations he's going to succeed. He's got to be that sixth, seventh round lottery ticket. We were saying, if this guy hits, I'm winning the league. And if he fails, well, I'll make up for it in the later rounds, the waiver wire, etc. Um, real quick side question: Ronald Jones would rather have him or a late. Uh, 2019 first round pick. Well, unless if you like, so if, you like, like wide, if you need wide receivers, I guess that's uh, just just in a vacuum. Let's not get down to specifics. I, I, I'd I'd go probably running back over drafting a wide receiver since wide receivers really take longer to develop. So I'd rather have the running back that can give me the immediate impact than the wide receiver that I have to pay the. Uh, you know, the, the, the storage cost. Yeah. I take Jones. Mason. Uh, uh, that's really surprising to me. Cause I've ne- like, I'm a big Jones buyer. I've been acquiring him in all my dynasty leagues. And I mean, he's not going for, you don't have to pay a 2019 first. I think you can get him for a mid second, 2019 second. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just got done with an auction startup and he went for less than 2% of my budget and I want him. like, yeah, no, I agree because I got him in one league for a mid-second, and then I got him and Julian Edelman for pick 112. So, yeah, I think I made okay there. All right, so we're going to try and hit this last running back real quick, okay? Our last pair of running backs real quick. Um, so Jordan Wilkin, Wilkins and Naeem Hines, both with the Colts, both of the Colts that are apparently the um, – darling story of where uh, Le'Veon Bell should be going 
in 2019. What are you guys thinking about Wilkins and Naeem Hines? Are you buying either one of them uh, next year? Are you looking to draft either one of them next year? I'm going to say two things and then be quiet the rest of the way. Le'Veon's not going to Indy. They want nothing to do with his antics and the money it's going to cost. Two, I think they draft the running back before day three. So, no, I don't want anything to do with that backfield. Okay. Mason? God, I'm on the exact same page with you, Mike. I mean, I'm not touching. Maybe I'll touch Hines just for the PPR upside. But Wilkins, like, he's waiver wire. Like, he's no, like, there's no reason to even roster him at this point. John? They, they said it all. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah, and it's so I'm I'm upset because I was I was actually really high on Wilkins and just every time he got the opportunity he did not show out. So yeah, I'm down on both of them, and I actually and hope Le'Veon Bell goes there. So and Marlon Mack did so well. Like, Marlon Mack did so well towards the end of the season. It's kind of hard to see Wilkins coming in and you know rising to the top again. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to jump into wide receivers now, uh, a slightly shorter list of wide receivers since like was just mentioned, wide receivers usually take a little bit longer to develop. Um, but going back to the AB news that he might be out of Pittsburgh, we're going to start with the Pittsburgh, uh, wide receiver, James Washington. What do you guys think for 2019, uh, with AB without AB? Try and try make it quick, especially you, Mike. You talk way too much. My bad. <laughs> I provide the good content. That's why. Um, with AB, I don't want anything to do with them. Without AB, I still don't want anything to do with them. I, I don't trust James Washington. I did not like him coming out of Oklahoma State. If they trade AB, I was on record with this last week, they got to bring in some kind of better receiver opposite of Juju. I know Pittsburgh is you know known for the burn and turn of, okay, we got this receiver. Okay, kick him out the door, bring in the next guy. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Tony Holmes, Burris, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't like James Washington. I'm sorry. Wow. I, uh, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum where if you're in practice every day with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith running routes from Ben Roethlisberger, I think no matter what, you can just be pulled out of a crowd and learn how to be a wide receiver especially a talented receiver like James Washington. I, I like him a lot, so I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum as you. That's what we disagree. You think he's talented. I think he's out of the league before a second contract. Wow. Mason? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle there. I think James Washington is one of those guys. He's going to help the Steelers a lot just because he's a deep threat. His ADOT's going to be really high. But that's not the kind of guy you really want for fantasy football, especially in 2019. So if AB's traded – I mean, he's going to be seeing the field a lot. He'll, pro- I think, he'll be overrated in fantasy. But with yeah, and without, I mean, if AB's still there, you don't want anything to do with them. It's not worth the rostering. Yeah, so I, I, I'm more with you, Mason, here. That I, I like James Washington's potential of being kind of that later guy that I might be able to scoop in, especially if AB is not there. And if the rest of the fantasy community doesn't just overhype it way too much, if AB is there next year, um, I, I, he's waiver wire fodder to me. I think he's, you know, behind AB and Juju and just so far down the pecking order that I, I don't, I don't want to touch him at that point. If AB's not there, oh, he's going to get so hyped. Like, he'll be the hottest summer. Yeah, I mean, he'll have to go six summer. rounds too soon, at least. 
You know, even with A.B. and Juju there and all the, you know, as John said, the extra glamorous he gets with practicing with those guys, Brian Switzer, who was traded twice in the offseason, had more catches than he did. Well, Ryan Switzer's a different type of receiver, too. Like, but my point is, if he couldn't beat out Switzer for at least some more targets, it, it, that's a red flag to me. Eh. Yeah, yeah they're, two, they're two different positions, honestly. Yeah, I just – I didn't look at the snap count, but one of the bench it's similar. I just – I did not like his tape at Oklahoma State. Um, no. I digress. Let's move on to Gallup. Right. Well, you just said it. Gallup. What, what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait – Bite my tongue even more on this one, being a Cowboys fan. So uh, let, let's go with the the, the Texas native, our, uh, our, our Texas pal here, Mason. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really good, honestly. Just I think he's got polished receiver. He came in, was drafted early day two. He's been playing alongside Amari. I think he has the talent. I just don't think he's gonna be able to get the volume with Amari and Zeke getting so many touches in that offense. One, I just. I think he's a great secondary receiver. I think um, being on the field and, and being that, that, that guy that's not getting all of the attention is great for a guy like Michael Gallup. And it showed that in the playoffs. He did awesome in, uh, in uh, Dale's playoff game. You know, you know, I think he's, he's going to be very good. For a young receiver, he did very good his, his rookie year. couple things. One, I just realized Mason's a Longhorns fan. Finally, there's somebody on this podcast I can relate to and appreciate. Two, I am all in on Gallup next year. Seth, you saw my tweet. You liked it. That I think he was a sleeper going in the next year, and now it's the secret's out. He has played better in terms of fantasy production than Cooper in the two playoff games, the last couple weeks of the year. And, yes, Cooper deserves to be drafted where he's going to be and his bad is going to do what's going to be. But I think Gallup's going to be one of those guys who I thought was going to be a late-round guy you're going to get, and he's going to pop for you, kind of like a – Mike Williams was this year, but now I think we're talking he's going eighth, ninth round. I mean, that's honestly, that's only a couple rounds higher than where I was, where I and kind of other people were picking him up in, in, in redraft leagues as well. I mean, he was going cer- certain times of the draft, he was going 11, 12. So, um, I mean, my, my big my big kind of takeaway of the playoffs and seeing the way they use Gallup was when they ran the same exact play, uh, the same exact fade route. I, like, I felt like I was watching Madden for a minute until he caught the ball and it was like, woo, touchdown. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mace is my favorite easily. <laughs> like, but that that amount of confidence in him that they're like, no, we're going to run it right back. We're going to do the same exact play. And he made a great over-the-shoulder catch, mm-hmm. and, you know, Dak made a good throw on it. So it, it, it helps me be more confident about Gallup moving forward. Uh, my biggest question is always going to be around, you know, can Dak support – a cast around him that's going to demand targets and can, you know, Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan, because apparently they're bringing him back, be able to create enough offense and, you know, be better play callers than they've been for their, you know, careers, essentially. Uh, That's what, that's what makes me nervous about Gallup. 
Yeah, I agree. Dax, the factor, the play calling is the factor. I just really like his game. I think he was under, uh, you know, underdrafted. He's going to be, I don't want to say a star, but he, he's going to be one of the surprise guys next year, I'm pretty sure. He's going to be one of those guys that when the preseason kind of hype comes around, people start going, oh, the Cowboys, they're good. they got a great offensive line, and they got Zeke, and they got Dak, and they got Amari, and that, that means there's going to be this one guy that's just going to get targets because – uh, you know, he had, like, all, the defense is going to focus on everyone else, and then they're just going to feed him the ball because there's going to be no one covering him ever. Uh, that whole mentality is just, it's not usually, like, the best. Like, your number one receiver is the number one receiver for a reason. You're going to feed him targets. So I, I like the fact that Gallup will be, a, uh, you know, should be the number two. He's really good at number two. Uh, I completely agree, though, that people are going to over overdraft him. Um, Plus, Cole is going to be leaving as a free agent, so there's going to be, I don't want to say more targets per se, but there's going to be a higher uh, usage rate of snap count for him because we're going to bring in another slot guy, and who knows, maybe even be a drafted kid or whatever. But, you know, Beasley had, you know, probably, what, 60, 70 targets this year? So we'll see what he, we'll see what, how much Gallup is absorbed of that. But they're not going to throw more to Cooper, and you can't really put more on Zeke. Zeke's already 350 touches a season, so. Yeah. So you honestly think Beasley's going somewhere? I don't see how they could pay him. They got Dak coming up. They got Zeke that wants the extension done now, rightfully so, because he's getting, you know, run into the ground. Cooper's going into the fifth-year option. Demarcus Lawrence is on the tag. Um, they got, they got, and Byron Jones is coming. They got bodies they got to pay. And at a 31-year-old receiver in a weak class, I think he's going to get $8 million on a three-year deal from somebody, and Dallas is going to go see you later. Wow, really? I, I figured he was going to be super cheap, the uh, vet minimum kind of guy. Oh, if he gets that, I'd be dumbfounded on what the hell the league is doing. It, other than it's him, Jameson Crowder, and Golden Tate are the only real slot – or Adam Humphrey's only real slot guys in the free agent pool. And while the draft has some guys, they're more perimeter guys, I, I think he gets a deal. Somebody's going to overpay. I guess I just see Beasley as the less talented out of those four by a wide margin. Oh, I agree. I just think all four are going to see $8 million plus AAV because teams have money and there's no receivers in the free agency pool. So He's, he's just going to send everybody that video of him windmill dunking also at 5'11", and people are going to be like, all right, you could play. That's there cool. You know. exactly. All right, we, 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 we got we to move on. I, I, even as a Cowboys fan, I'm saying we spent too much time in – in Dallas here. We always uh, do. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I mean, there's got to be some winning teams, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, even though they lost. I can't yeah. Let's, but, all right. Uh, moving on. Dante Pettis. What are your thoughts out in San Francisco? Let's try and hit these ones a little bit quicker because we still want to hit some tight ends and quarterbacks. So Dante Pettis, um, no AB in San Fran. The, you know, let's believe the hype for a moment, A.B. and San Fran. What's your value in 2019? Uh, Mason, why don't you start us off? With A.B., honestly, like I, I could see him being a wide receiver three. Jimmy G can support multiple receivers. I don't think that tight end is going to get as much usage as he did this year. Uh, I, I really like the outlook in Pettis 2019 and beyond. Once again, I agree with Mason here. Um, <clears throat> if AB's there, I think he's a wide receiver three. Hell, he may even be a wide receiver four. Uh, this just, you know, while Garoppolo may be able to support multiple guys, they're going to have McKinnon coming back. Kill's going to get his still. 
They're bound to do, you know, Marquise Goodwin's bound to stay healthy for, what, six games? So, but assuming they don't get A-B, and I reserve the right to change my mind on this later, I'd rather have Pettis over over any rookie receiver in this draft class. I am that high on that kid. Wow. John? I'm pretty high on him. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get him when I when I, I waited too long in the draft, and I, and I just thought of him. I saw him blossom as the season progressed. So I he's going to go places. I don't know about the best receiver in this draft class, but you know that's uh it's to be debated. That we'll find that out in the future. But he is very good. Um, he's it, it all depends again this off season whoever lands there. Like everything you guys already said, we'll find out if he wide wide receiver three if some great. Wide receiver, if 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 Brown comes on the Four Niners, maybe wide receiver three, four, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, my yeah. my thought here is you have Pettis got hurt, McKinnon got hurt, Jimmy G got hurt. Who else is going to get hurt in San Francisco? You never really got to see what San Francisco can actually be, uh, and and that that raises two questions of. Wow, can they actually be so amazing that they can support these guys? Uh, and then the other question is like, maybe they'll actually never be healthy altogether. And when they are healthy, maybe they're really not going to do all the great things that we expect them to do because they eat into each other's volume and they don't really play off of each other the way that we, you know, we want them to. Uh, which to me is going to make me lower on Pettis than what what most people will be. And even though I really like what he showed this year, uh, I'm going to be one of the later people that are going to pick Pettis because somebody else is going to go, Jimmy G's amazing. Everybody out of uh, New England is amazing, even though we've already talked about in the show how everything out of New England usually kind of, dies outside of New England. Um, but I think I, I'm going to be the last person on the Pettis train. And again, if that, if that's what burns me, it's what burns me. I, I, I really like them. I do. I really like them. I just think people like, you know, Mike are going to draft them so many rounds be, before what I would be like, wow, really? That's what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to own any shares of them in 2019. Real quick, and we'll move on to the next guy. Um, if they don't bring in AB or Odell Beckham or any guy that's going to be clearly the number one guy, do you guys think Pettis is the number one guy in San Francisco next year with the likes of Goodwin, Trent Taylor, and whoever they may draft? He'll be the number one statistically, I think, like, but I don't think he'll be the – like he won't be the X receiver. Like he'll be, he'll be the best receiver on the team because I don't think Marquise Goodwin is uh, going to, especially in terms of fantasy, put up fantasy points. So I think he'll probably be the best guy there uh, if you don't count Kittle. Yeah, I'm talking purely the receivers, not anybody else. If they don't bring in AB and Garoppolo stays healthy, I think. Pettis finishes a top twenty-four receiver next year. Yeah, but you got a you got a tight end that is their both league record for receptions. You got a, a receiver that's coming back next year that catches out of the backfield all the time. What is Pettis really going to do with with when he's only you know with that many targets getting dispersed everywhere? 
what is it? What, what, is it, what isn't he going to do? I mean, McKinnon is nice, but McKinnon's not an elite back. Kittle had a great year, but I expect there's going to be some regression there. And if they don't bring anybody else, Marquis going can't stay healthy. Trent Taylor's just a dude. Pierre Garcon's going to. I know that's what I'm saying. They'll double, they'll double team Pettis every play, and then they're going to have to find a you know wheel route or wheel route out of the backfield from McKinnon or the tight end you know in a flat somewhere across the middle. That, See, I that's what I mean. That's, I don't think that's the case. I think they double Kittle and say, "Go ahead, Garoppolo, beat us with the second year receiver and the running back out of the back." But you could do a better job doubling a tight end than you can a receiver, especially. If, you're smart like Kyle Shanahan is, and you work ways to get him away from number one corners, design him open, etc. I, I talked to the difference is the difference is you're double teaming Kittle with maybe with a, you know a linebacker and maybe you know a safety that pulls in, where you're getting covered by a cornerback and a safety when you're double teaming Pettis. If they're, doubling, if they're doubling Kittle with a linebacker and a safety, they're going to get burned every time. That's why they are getting burned every time. That's what they're doing because they're, they're that's what I mean. Well, that's in that case, then, then the defense get what they deserve because they should have been doubling Pettis to not let Kittle go off. Mm-hmm. All right, we digress. All right, yeah, we're we're gonna put a, <laughs> we're gonna put the the kibosh on that one. All right, two more wide receivers. We're gonna do them in exactly two minutes. Uh, Cortland Sutton out in Denver, uh, moving up or moving down? Uh, down unless they get a legit quarterback. No legit quarterback. I don't want nothing to do with that Broncos uh, offense. Done. Uh, Sutton, I, he's uh, projected to do well, but you can see Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton, and uh, you know they're 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 taking up all the targets because Sutton's not getting open. He's he had a couple drops. He, you know, I that's I think he's not as he's overhyped. I think Sutton's going to be good. I mean, Sutton has the best size adjusted agility of any receiver of all time. Like the ceiling is there. It's just whether or not he's going to take that next step forward. And I agree with Mike. It's going to be hard to do that unless they upgrade the quarterback position. But honestly, I think Flacco, Foles, like those, I think those court QBs can go to Denver. And I think they would be an upgrade over Keenum. Uh, yeah, I think Sutton is going to be bad in 2019 because they're going to probably have a bad quarterback in Denver still. Um, but then in 2020, he's going to hit his third year, which historically has been the year for wide receivers. And I think Denver either brings in a rookie or has something better planned out in terms of a, uh, a quarterback and an offensive scheme. So um, even though I, I love I love Sutton, I think, again, watching all the tape of him coming out, he was one of my favorite wide receivers. Uh, yeah, he's going to unfortunately disappoint in 2019, but 2020, I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and thinking of my favorite wide receiver coming out this year, DJ Moore, uh, our last wide receiver we're going to talk about. What do you guys think about DJ Moore in 2019? Again, it goes back to Carolina and if Cam's healthy. If Cam's healthy, I think this is a Wide receiver three, that offense has gone away from the vertical stuff of Funches and Benjamin and Olsen to more, you know, horizontal space and pace, yards after the catch with him, Samuel McCaffrey. If uh, Cam's around, I like him. Cam's not. McCaffrey's the only guy in that offense I want. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I mean, he's a running back playing wide receiver. He runs a 4'4". Four, four. He's six foot, 212 pounds. The guy's a... He's a big dude for receiver. Um, I'll uh, 
I'm happy with him. I think he made he makes plays happen, especially after the catch. So I'm uh, I'm happy with him. I I'll take him. I'd be more than happy to take him as a wide receiver three, wide receiver two. Yeah, I, I think he's a I think he's gonna be a high end wide receiver two if Cam stays there. And kind of little hot take, but I think he's gonna be the reason why Christian McCaffrey disappoints next year. I think he's gonna be taking all that underneath stuff, taking away receptions from McCaffrey. He's gonna be piling on yards after the catch. I liked it. Yeah, uh, I honestly, someone in Carolina has to catch the ball. Um, last year, I was like, it's going to be Funchess. Like, like he's got to do something. And I like DJ Moore really late. Like, somebody's got to do it. Like, I'm going to take, I'm going to take these late round flyers on guys that could potentially be the number one receivers there. And DJ Moore has shown that he can be, you know, he can be the the main guy, and he can you know, catch the ball when it's behind the line of scrimmage and make plays and he can catch the ball downfield and he can catch the ball, you know, in space contested. So uh, 2019 is as long as people aren't picking him, you know, beyond where you should go. Uh, I I feel like I'm going to get a a, a good chunk of DJ Moore um, on my team. That's, of course, you know, pending the Cam Newton shoulder surgery. Really, that was really messing me up today. But, all right, Uh, let's hit hit tight ends and try and hit that real quick and uh, see if we can can hit tight ends and quarterbacks super quick, jump into the games, and, and call it a night here, guys. So... Uh, let's all pick one tight end. One tight end that you 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 think is uh, either going to be up or down, uh, be able to hit people. Mason, you were talking about Goddard before the show. Why don't you lead off with that? All right, yeah, I got to take on Goddard, mainly just because he's getting a lot of hype lately. People are seeing those primetime games, him getting 70-yard touchdowns with Ertz on the field. And, I mean, it's amazing for a rookie tight end and everything, but I just think those – Long reset, like those long touchdown passes are, they're obviously going to regress. And at the same time, can anybody, does anybody know how old he was this year? Like how old is got it right now? Yeah. He's like 24 years old. Like he's a, he's a rookie tight end, but at the same time, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how old he is. And I just think he's going to get that. The hype train's going to get going throughout the off season while they still have arts there. People are going to be talking about two tight end set, sets and, it's just he's not going to reach expectations. Yeah, he just turned 24 a couple weeks, about a week and a half ago. Uh, as long as Earth is around, I don't, I don't want Goddard and, and redraft. And frankly, I don't even want him in Dynasty. It just love his talent. Bad situation for him, fancy wise. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's playing behind Ertz makes it real tough. Um, but uh, you gotta you gotta like the kid. Um, he he's nothing more than somebody that I really really think is a waiver wire guy though. Um, so yeah, I agree. He's everybody's uh, fan favorite right now. That's that's the problem. He's uh, everybody's eyeballing him as the next sweetheart when 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 uh, Earth is gone. Yeah. All right, let's hit uh, let's hit the next tight end then because Ertz probably won't be gone next year. So 
uh, next tight end. You know, I'm 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 gonna go ahead and take the next tight end because I really like this guy, and it's my little brother's name as well. So Ian Thomas, uh, really kind of like him out of Carolina. I like the fact that Greg Olson hopefully has whispered sweet, sweet plays into his ear and helped him become a better uh, receiving tight end and honestly helped him become a um, a better blocking tight end because he's kind of already been a receiving tight end. That's, you know, a big part of his game there. So if he can, if he can take that next step and become a full fledged, um, well-rounded tight end. I think Ian Thomas is going to be one of those guys that I might take late, especially, excuse me, if, especially if I'm doing one of those um, wait until late for a tight end type of strategies, which is typically what I do because I don't like paying a, you know, a second, third round pick for a Gronkowski who does nothing for you throughout a year. Somebody's upset. <laughs> it's okay. I'm in the same boat. Um, yeah, I like Ian Thomas, um, especially if Greg Olson pulls the Jason Witten move and dumps the Panthers on you know draft day. Oh, I'm retiring and taking a gig at Fox. Sorry, guys. Um, I really like Ian Thomas late. I think he's going to be one of those guys who nobody's going to know who he is, and he's going to be pretty decent, especially if you're like you know Seth and me, where you're just going to punt on tight ends and worry about in the 15th round and say, hey, I'll play the waiver game. Yeah. Uh, John, if you had to uh, pick a tight end here um, to talk about, which which tight end do you, do you got? I take Mike Gusecki. Just, uh, I drafted him last year as a rookie, figuring he'd come out and at least do something. But he was more, for a guy whose biggest beef was not being able to block, that's all he did was block this year. He didn't, he didn't catch anything. Uh, he barely had any receptions. He um, It was a, it was a Bad rookie year for a guy with so much talent, but I think uh, a year behind him, it usually takes a couple of years for tight ends to catch on anyway. So um, I'm going to be patient with Mike Gusecki. I think in a, in a year or two, um, it's uh, it's going to be the Mike Gusecki show in Miami. It's a strictly alone. Yeah, I agree. Dynasty, you're, uh, you might be able to get him cheap in a startup draft because everybody's, you know, oh, last year didn't do squat. There was all the other tight ends, Chris Herndon, Ian Thomas, et cetera. And this year is going to be a really good tight end class. You could probably get him in the, you know, 15th round, I'm going to guess. And maybe not 2019, but 2020, he's really good. I think get the niche goal and become that kind of a, I want to say Gronk, but not the blocking ability, that mismatch piece. You can line up outside in the red zone. He's going to get 10 touchdowns. Kind of like a don't like this. I don't like that he does all the showboat stuff. That's every time he catches the ball, he's got to jump over somebody or try to make, you know, uh, some kind of acrobat. Somebody will knock him on his behind and he'll knock that crap off. Grow up. I hope so. It's, it's just when you have a very successful team and a very successful year, and when you do get the few catches you get, you kind of enjoy it. It's kind of like Watson after the first downs in the playoff game against the Colts, down three scores, and he's doing the dance after the first down. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah, come on. All right, so my tight end, um, Chris Herndon. And of the ones we talked about, he's kind of like Ian Thomas for me. I might take a fly on him late. The Jets should go out and spend all kinds of big money for you to see whether it's on Bell, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, whatever. But the connection he has with Darnold to close out the year, I think, shows that there's some kind of, I don't want to say Phil Rivers, Antonio Gates level kind of thing, but there's a good chemistry there. And 
you know, young tight ends, they like to go to the backs, they like to go to the tight ends. And if they don't get Bell, they have to sell for Mark Ingram or Tevin Coleman or whatever. I think Harden's in line for 60 catches next year. I like him too. Yeah, and, and to touch base, and as we move over to quarterbacks, uh, I'm going to look at uh, Sam Darnold. And for the record, I did a you know way too early top 15 rankings, and none of these rookies made it because the quarterback position is so deep. Um, but Darnold's interesting. If they go out and get the guys and, you know, Bell, Golden Tate, they draft the receiver. Um, he'd be an interesting option to grab off the waiver wire after a couple of weeks if the Jets' offense gets really hot because if they bring in the right pieces – and in that division, you know, the Bills are going to be an easy couple wins. The Dolphins are going to be easy couple wins. Hell, who knows? They may even knock off the Patriots, surprisingly, one game. So it's a long shot, but I think, depending upon how the offseason plays out, Darnold may be this year's version of you know, whatever waiver our quarterback he managed to get off the waiver wire early, Baker or whatnot. Yeah, I, don't, I, I honestly don't mind that pick because I think the Jets are – trying to sell tickets in New York. I think they're starting to realize that they're, you know, that they're competing with the Mets for, you know, one of the worst sports teams in New York and realizing that they are just losing on ticket sales. So I think they're really trying to put an offense together around Darnold. So I, I kind of don't mind this one. Again, you're, you're probably not drafting Darnold unless uh, something you know, immaculate happened for the Jets over the off season, but I, I like the the fact that you know you should keep your eye on him because he might be somebody worth picking up there. So, uh, Mason, who who do you like? I, I like Josh Allen a lot. Not in superflex leagues when you like the QB position matters and you have to have that floor, but in one QB leagues in 2019 when you're going to end up streaming the position anyway. I think he's a good guy to take a shot on because he has that top three QB finish ceiling. Like we saw it down the stretch in 2018. It's just, he also saw that floor. We saw that floor he has as well. And that's, that's low. So I'm, he's a guy I'm avoiding in super flex and targeting him. If I'm going to stream in a one QB league. I mean, the fact that he had, what was it? 300 yard rushing games or like, Three yeah, ninety-nine yard rushing games in a row. Yeah, he he looks he he looks like uh, the the true cheat code to rushing quarterbacks. Yeah, he's Cam Newton. He's rookie Cam Newton. All right, um, I'm gonna jump in here, um, and I'm gonna go with not somebody that I like, but somebody that I don't like uh, with Josh Rosen. I uh, mentioned this a little bit last week. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Klingsbury coming to Arizona. I don't think that's going to make uh, make Josh Rosen, Josh, Josh Rosen an amazing quarterback. I don't think that's going to make, you know, that Arizona team that was, you know, just abysmal this year automatically better. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to be super excited about Rosen. I know Pat was one of them last week. Uh, I'm not touching him. I think he still has a lot of room to develop. I think he could be a good quarterback, but definitely not in 2019. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the Kingsbury hire, but I just don't. To the position, I didn't 
I don't think Rosen's going to have the success in 19. Down the line, we'll see. Arizona just has so many holes they got to plug. They can't possibly get it all done in time for next year. They're going to be picking top five again in next year's draft. I just, yeah. Of the rookie quarterbacks, he's the last one I'm touching. Yeah. Uh, John, you want to chime in on any of these rookies, or do you want to jump to the uh, upcoming games? Uh I, I wanted to take Donald, he was gone. I wanted to take Allen, he was gone. You took Rosen. I mean, I could say Baker Mayfield. Uh, that's an easy slam dunk on that guy. And Lamar Jackson, I think that offense is, is hurting him more than it's helping him with a run-first offense. Uh, until that, that kid learns how to throw the ball and, and have some patience in the pocket, he's not going anywhere. So uh, he's a good fantasy quarterback for rushing yards, and that's about it. So we can move on. Sounds good. Great to hit those last two guys super quick. That was that was the fastest thing we've done so far. Two for one. It took less than sixty seconds. Bravo, John. That's what, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> wow, John, you're the one that's supposed to be telling us to keep it a family show. Yeah, <laughs> really. Jesus. I was talking about making ice cream cones. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to know what you're filling the ice cream cones with. Anyway, moving on. Jesus. We got a pair of uh, conference championships here happening this week. We got the Rams Saints at three, Patriots Chiefs at six, uh, pretty much seven. So uh, who, who are you guys liking here? Uh, let's, let, let, let's, do, let's do one game at a time. Rams Saints. Uh, let's go straight up. We'll talk about the spread afterwards. Straight up, who do you got? Rams, Saints, uh, Mason, as our guest, go ahead and kick it, kick it off. I think you got to go with the Saints at home here. I mean, they're both two higher-powered offenses. I think the Saints, just their defense is a lot better than what the L.A. has. John? Um, um, I think that the Saints are uh, – they're gonna they're gonna roll, they're gonna roll the the Rams. The Rams just haven't been the same without Cooper Cup. It's uh, they're not the same team. Um, I, I'm I'm all about the Saints, especially at home. Mike, oh, this is tough. Um, I'm actually gonna go with the Rams, and here's why: if they can establish the run like they did last week against Dallas, and not make Jared Goff be the reason they win, they should be able to win this game. They'll keep Breeze off the field. And with no Sheldon Rankins, that's one of their better, you know, one stoppers. And if they can run down the one's throat, similar that they did to Dallas, I just don't see New Orleans getting enough possessions to make up for it. Now, if they can stop the run and Gurley's negated, well, then this is going to be a Saints blowout. So, uh, is there any way I can get odds on whether or not there's an equipment failure and Sean McVay can't communicate with his quarterback? Uh, happening in this game because if that's the case, uh, I, I think the Rams get destroyed. Um, but if Sean McVay is literally calling plays from the line of scrimmage like he did against the Cowboys and just just decimated, you know what what was a really good Cowboys defense. Um, <laughs> th- this this game becomes a shootout here, so. Uh, if I had to pick it, I like the Saints at home, but I think this is going to be super, super close. This could be one of those games that was like the Cowboys Seahawks game where the spread was, you know, what was it, two? And, or the spread was one and a half, and the final, you know, ended up two points. So 
I got a question, Seth. Why are you concerned about the equipment malfunctioning? Is Belichick going to be at the game or something? I I, I was going to save it for when the Patriots played the Rams, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen because yeah, I think squeeze that joke in there. Huh? Yeah, no, I I mean if it were if it were the Patriots in Foxborough, the Rams would not be able to communicate at all. Like the equipment failure would just be nonstop. And Belichick would make the gods make it, you know, snow and hail and ninety to you know ninety mile an hour winds and whatever <laughs> well, the hell else. Uh, come on, let's be serious now. It would only do that, but around Tom Brady, not on Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly. Pages come on offense, <laughs> calm as can be. They go on defense. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, um, spread wise, I, I like that divergent. Yeah. <laughs> spread wise, um, I. I, I I take the Rams in the points because I, I agree with you. If this game's going to be close, I think it's going to be the last possession. Somebody's going to kick a field goal and win by a point or two. So I'll take the Rams in the points. But it, 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 I don't like either line at all. I can see this both games going in many possibilities to each team. Yeah. So for the most part, we're, we're going Saints here. Uh, anything else you guys want to say? Rams, Saints? No. Okay. No, I'm good. Uh Mason, in order to be part of the club, you have to say that you hate the Patriots. You have to take the oath. Um, Are you just a given at this point? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and, and anybody who's listened to this that's a Patriots fan, their initial response is going to be nuts because we win. Um, but yeah, They kind of do. Yeah, they do. I, there's no denying that. I mean, I think Brady's got more Super Bowls than the Cowboys have playoff wins since any of us were born, so, you know. Well, it, I mean, John and I are pretty old. John and I are pretty old, so we were we lived through the dynasty. So that dynasties of dinosaur rage. I didn't hear you properly. Oh, you shut your face! All right, (laughs) Patriots, Chiefs. Who you guys liking? There's no way Patriots stop Mahomes here. I know Patriots won the first game. These two teams matched up, but hard to see Andy Reid and Mahomes going. I mean, the Patriots going over there. And stopping them. But this is the Andy Reid that lost to the Titans last year, right? It's the same Andy Reid? Yeah, same Andy Reid that was um, telling Alex Smith to go out there and win a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so hard to bet against the Patriots. Uh, uh, I want Kansas City to win this. I think the fact that it's in Kansas City, they actually have a chance to win it. I think this is going to be one of those games that uh, Tom Brady gets a last-minute score and wins. As, as much as I'm going to be like, oh, come on. See, again, uh, it's going to happen again. It's not going to be the blowout that they did the Chargers, which I, was, I wasn't expecting a blowout like that, but I was expecting the Patriots to win that game. Um, I think the Patriots are going to win this game and I think the Patriots, they will win it or lose it in the very last possession. And it's probably going to be, uh, you know, Brady working his way down the field and getting that score as, you know, either time expires or giving the Chiefs no time to score again. John? Um, this is this is going to be like a – they said it was a, like a polar vortex coming in uh, in Kansas City. It will be like five degrees of game time. Um, I don't know how the young mobile quarterback and the, uh, the speedy receivers are working the cold. 
I don't ever want to say I want to see the Patriots win anything. Um, but when it's a game like this, experience comes in very much, very handy when guys have been through this before. I know it's cold and both teams play in cold weather climates, but Patriots been there before. And um, that's the only reason I'm saying the Patriots, but I want to see the Chiefs win. But I just I see the Patriots winning this one it, just, just despite everyone. See, I'm rooting for either the Patriots, Saints, Super Bowl, so we can have the old man narrative, which you, you know, oldsters, or the Rams Chiefs rematch, so we can have the young slingers shoot out, get the game into the 60s. What the hell, right? But I'm taking the Patriots because, like you said, John, the weather. If this game is like they're predicting what's going to be below zero, snow, wind, the elements, Kansas City beats you with speed. They got Tyreek, they got Mahomes, who's mobile, they got Kelsey. And I just think New England's better equipped to play in that kind of snow game. They'll run the ball down Kansas City's throat. They got multiple good backs. Brady will hit short passes over the middle, which won't be affected by the elements as much. And if they can control how long Kansas City has the ball, they should be able to win. So uh, I do agree with Seth. This could come down to the last possession. And if it's in Brady's hands, uh, we can go ahead and call it over with because it's Brady. But now if the weather, you know, where actually turns around, this is going to be, you know, no wind, no snow, and relatively warm. Kansas City's got the more firepower. They're going to win easily. Easily. Oh, that's interesting. If the weather favors Kansas City, I think this is – I'm taking – I'm laying the points with Kansas City, and I'll give them three, even four, maybe even five points. I think it's a touchdown game. Wow. That's a bold prediction to end the show. Way to, way to, way to bring Gotta it home. With the weather, though. Don't come knocking on me at Twitter saying all kinds of nonsense. If the weather drastically changes for the better, that's the caveat. I mean, we all got to be rooting for a Chiefs-Rams rematch with another 100-point game, right? Actually, I'm rooting the other way around because I think we'll get Chiefs-Rams down the line. I want to see one more breeze. Brady, old men, get up from the chair, grab the wheelchair, and fight it out at midfield. So. I think this is the passing passing the torch. Brady to Mahomes and Breeze to Goff. Give it to me for 2020 in where they and no, that was 2021. Never mind. Just give it to me for next year. But one more old man fight. Yeah. All right. We we've talked, the show, Seth. we've talked about this enough. Jesus. All right. Uh we're gonna close it out. Mike, uh John Mason. In that order, uh, tell them where they can find you on the Twitters. You guys can find me on Twitter at MikeSports22. I promise I'll be less chatty there than I was here tonight. You guys can find me on the Twitter machine, John McGlynn, at Meathead underscore 75. Thanks for the follow. Thanks for the listen. Uh, make sure you look in FF Dynasty 260 for all their wonderful articles. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Build the Dynasty, and hopefully, I'll be on again in the future. Yeah, and you know, special thanks to you know John and Mike because they you know show up and talk some stuff here and there, and then a special special thanks to Mason for coming on as our guest. Uh, make sure you follow him. Make sure you get in touch with us. Make sure you leave a review. Uh, or a comment or something to let us know that you're listening. Uh, all, all of us, you know, are there to, to look at that, to engage with you guys. Find us on Twitter. Make it happen. Uh, as always, I am the at-home dad on Twitter, at FF, the at-home dad. You can find us all 
on Twitter at FFD260. So make sure you get there. Everybody, say goodnight. Good night, folks. See you next night, guys. Good night.